he's probably going to get two or three hundred yards against us. Diggs. Yeah. Yeah. My, my I mean, because said- really, we've got to we've we've got to cover Diggs and or Thielen, and I don't think we can cover both. I don't think we can cover either, but that's, we'll we'll get to that. Um, my mom just texted me and said, uh, "So we want the Saints to win, but keep getting hurt, right?" <laughs> I mean, I guess you're not wrong. I don't want to say I want to root for teams to get hurt, but yeah, I would. I guess that but would it be, would be nice. Case. I guess that would be best case scenario. Yeah. I don't want to say I want that to happen. It's best case scenario. Hello, welcome to the 4th and Short Podcast. I'm your host, not Brian. This is Jonathan. You should know that. And I'm joined by only Brad today. How are you, Brad? I'm great. How are you? Uh, doing better than my pronunciation of the word tonight. Um, today. Um, well, we can't win them all. No. Just botch my one and only intro I'll ever have on this show. There go all my podcast hopes and dreams out the window. Well, I don't but know. If- I think if, if we could put it to a vote, because I think you did better than Brian. Ooh, I like that. Ooh. I'm not. We we're not going to tell him because he's not here. So we're going to not tell him you said that, and we're going to see if he actually listens when he's not there. See if he makes any comments <laughs> yeah. about it later. Yeah, <laughs> that'll be the perfect way to find out. Yeah, just it just like like Saturday night. Well, he wouldn't be on the Saturday night, but like Sunday morning before the game, just get a message yeah. from Brian. You guys suck. Yep. Hi, Brian. So, Panthers. Not so great against the Saints yet again. Another loss, 0-2 of the season. Um, it pretty much looks like a continuation of the first matchup of the season with a slightly closer scoreline. So um, before we get into specific things, do you have any general takeaways from the game you wanted to share, Brad? Uh, yeah, I, I feel the same way. It did look like it was. we just watched one long game, and it was just spread out over two parts. and. It, the same it, problems we had the first time, we had the second time. And, it, and that's, it what was, that's what I was going to say. It was crazy because it was like we played the Saints and the, we couldn't tackle to save our lives. And it was like, oh, well, that's just a one-time thing. We've tackled every game well before, tackled well since. It was just a one-time thing. We play the Saints again, and we once again forget how to tackle. It's it's an, the weirdest thing. Yeah, and then, it, it was crazy. And I know part of that is like Kamara, super elusive, breaks the Suns' tackles. I know Ingram's all right, but it's I don't know, it's it's things the team normally doesn't do. We did extra poorly against the Saints both times. Bad angles, bad gap discipline, um, not wrapping up, looking at you, Shaq and Kurt. Yeah. Yes. Um, all, all of these things. Which while we're calling it individual players, um, who would your get your worst, like your most pessimistic grade from the game against the Saints? Uh, well, on defense, I would have to give it to Shaq because I think we have a chance to win the game if he wraps up mm-hmm. Alvin Kamara on, on the goal line. That was fourth down, right? It was fourth and goal, mm-hmm. and 
all he had to do was wrap him up because there was help coming. And if he didn't try to make the, the sports center highlight reel hit, and Kamara just bounced right back off of him. I swear to God, he's one of those teeter totter. Yeah, that's what I said. Like, I called him a weeble wobble thing. last time. Yeah, the weeble wobble. I mean, the dude has amazing balance. And like you've said that before. Um, if he doesn't try to do that, if he just wraps him up, he drives him back. Uh, I can't remember if it was Thomas Davis or Luke Keekley. It was Luke. It was Luke that was right there. You know, Davis and Keekley look exactly alike, so it's easy <laughs> to get them confused. I get the two confused all the time. Yeah, well, so 58 and 59, it, it, sometimes mm-hmm. it is hard to see what the last number is. Um, exactly. But, you know, help was right there, and we stopped them there. That, that makes it where they don't score a touchdown. We could possibly have taken that and built off of it. But what we did was we gave them momentum. We gave them the confidence that they could do whatever they want to do. And, you know, it, we, we saw it again later in the game when Mark Mark Ingram, of all people, dusted us for, what was it, 76 yards or something like that? 72, 70-something? Um, 70 it was 70-plus 70 yards. <laughs> it doesn't name all the numbers in the 70s. You'll get it right. It yeah, was 72. It was, 72 yards and he made Mike Adams look like he was in a wheelchair. Um, that, that was, um, so when I watched the game, I didn't notice that live that Mike Adams did a little dancing with him up the sideline. Um, that was very Sherrod Martin esque. Yes, it was. It was like he actively did not want to tackle him. Like he was like, he was a kicker on a kick return <laughs> and he was trying to not make contact. I'm just gonna like keep my distance, but make you change directions enough to by the time you reach me, somebody else yeah. will have caught up to you. Yeah, but coaches are gonna see me on tape looking like I tried. And <laughs> I think he did his. I I don't fault him for that. That's a tough play when you got somebody in open space like that and the angle he was taking. Because Mark Ingram, he was running. He took an angle to cut him off at the sideline, and Ingram kind of cut it back in field. So if Adams. Had kind of tried to stay on his line, he probably would have whiffed the tackle and Inker would have scored. That so, is true. It, it, basically, he he kind of did what Kurt should have done later in the game when he was covering Kamara in the flat and went just full on like edge spear. Yeah. And all Kamara had to do was just kind of stop and then walk in for a touchdown. What were we talking about Mike Adams for again? Because we were talking about Shaq. And the tackling, right? Yeah, Shaq and the tackling, and then Mike Adams made a missed tackle. Yeah. Um, one, yeah. Oh, yeah, you're talking about the big run from Mike Adams, uh, from Shaq on that. Um, yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, my would be, I mentioned already, it would probably be Kurt Coleman. I thought the secondary played decently well. I mean, I know Bruce Breeze put up some big numbers, but it didn't seem like anybody in particular least off my memory was getting picked on unless I'm remembering incorrectly. It was just kind of a typical Drew Brees yeah, spread the ball it, around. I, I didn't think it was anything egregious. It, it, to me, it did look like it was just Drew Brees being Drew Brees. Yeah. So my thing with, with Kurt Coleman was just the, uh, the horrible tackling like we saw from most of the other team, the uh, rest of the Carolina Panthers. And it's just the refusal to wrap up. Same yeah. thing with Shaq on the goal line. Because I do agree with you, Shaq, if Shaq did everything right up until he made contact when he just decided that he doesn't need his arms. And mm-hmm. we see that almost never works. And I don't understand why players continue to try to do that. 
it's, it's like jacked it's up ESPN's schools, like fault. It's ESPN's fault. If they would stop putting that stuff on Sports Center, players would stop doing it. If they would start highlighting like a top ten linebackers who wrapped up and made the yeah. tackle, they would start doing it. And top ten heads up football plays. Top ten heads up football plays. You know, just stuff like that. And you know, speaking of heads up football plays, you know, that's a nice little segue into my other quote-unquote goat of the game it has to be colin jones and michael pilardi oh the uh first of all we we've called pilardi mvp all because he's been the best punter we've had since todd sauerbrunn but that's a name why on earth he tried to do what he did i will i mean he dropped the ball i get that and you got to do something but the ill-advised throw, and then for some stupid reason, Colin Jones decided to play defensive back and bat the ball, which I still <laughs> haven't figured out. There was a wide-open guy behind him, you know, and, and it completely screwed everything up. Because, And I know if you're listening to this, you're thinking, well, there was a flag on the play for an ineligible receiver. But the key here, if <laughs> Colin Jones doesn't Colin Jones that ball – Receiver catches it. I don't even remember who it was. Um, I don't either. It was Russell Shepard. But, um, but receiver catches the ball, gets the first down, flag on the play. New Orleans will take the penalty, but we can punt again. So I don't know. I think. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. You're right because I guess an eligible downfield is not. It's an eligible downfield. It would have been yeah, it's a, down. Yeah, exactly. So we would have at least, at the very, very least, we would have been able to to redo the punt. And, but all because of Colin Jones, we couldn't do that. I, I, I'm confused as how Michael Plardy even dropped the ball to begin with. And once he picked it up, he still could have kicked it. Like he had some time. Yeah, I don't know do why like those college know. rugby punts. Yeah, I don't know why he didn't just do that. A 29 yard punt is better than whatever in the hell that was that happened. You know, I'll um, tell you what happened. I think Taysom I know what Hill. you're going to say. Taysom Hill. Oh yeah, that's what happened. Okay. Is that what is that what I was going to say? No, that's not what I was going to say. <laughs> He is the greatest special teams player of all yes, time. Yes, he is. He is the best special teams player in the history of the NFL. That was He's going was, to Canton. <laughs> that was. It was like we. It was just interesting because like we've had that for like three years with Joe Webb until this yeah, past exactly. Season. Joe Webb is better than Taysom Hill. He's, Taysom Hill is not the first third string quarterback to play special teams for the in the NFL. People forget yeah, that he's not. And Joe Webb's still um, doing it in Buffalo too. He is. And throwing incomplete passes. I don't know if you saw that. But now I, I'll tell you what the what Pilardi was doing. You remember a couple of weeks ago when Derek Anderson and Garrett Gilbert had the flu? Yes. <laughs> and during practice, they said that Michael Pilardi was the the quarterback to run the scout team. Yep. But then they 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 pulled him and said, "No, we don't want you to get hurt because hmm. um, you're like the the league MVP as far as punting goes. So we don't want you to get hurt." So. Um, who who ran the drill? Was it um, Ken yeah, Dorsey that ran the? Yeah. Ken Dorsey did so. it. Um, but that put that in in Pilardi's head that he can be a quarterback, and he saw his <laughs> opportunity and he went for it. Oops! I dropped it. Oh no! Oops. What will I do? Yeah. I guess I'll have to throw it to somebody. He saw that they were losing anyway, and he said, "You know what? I'm going to put it on film that I can throw." It's my time to shine. It's my time to shine, and then Colin Jones ruined it. Yep. It's. He's trying to put some good plays on tape, get himself a little, a nice little bonus in the next contract for that quarterback money. Yeah. Colin Jones just ruined Colin it Jones all. Colin Jones just ruined it. 
Um, I want to go back to something we were talking about the ESPN and the Shack. Have we talked on the show about um the old segment Jacked Up? No, we haven't. Have you ever watched it recently? Yes. Not it recently. Not, not. It has not aged well. Oh, really? <laughs> it is bad. <laughs> I, I pulled it. I just like pulled it up one time. I was like, "Hey guys, remember this segment?" And I put it on my like I pulled it up on YouTube, and it was from like 2007 or something. And it was just like you know the top five biggest hits. And number three was a Browns running back that got knocked out cold, like you know when they get hit and like they go uh-huh. stiff. And he got knocked out cold, and everybody on the set was just like, "Oh my god, he just got knocked out. He got yeah. jacked up." And it's like, "Ooh, this does not look good right now." Yeah, they, they, they couldn't pointing, do that today. Pointing and laughing and making fun of a guy who just got brain damage on the yeah. football field. And he's like the victim of a highlight. It's like, that's that's not good. Look, yeah, I haven't, great, I haven't great. watched that lately. I probably should, but. <laughs> it's 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 funny in like the, the cringeworthiness of it now. Like if you if they tried to play it on TV in 2017, like their network would get shut down like before yeah. they could even finish the segment. <laughs> So we stuck to defense on the optimism and pessimism side of things. What about on the offense? Do you think do you have anybody for both of those on the offensive side as well? Or are we just going to stick to the poor defense for both? Well, I would like to point out that Cam Newton played a very good game despite his um, statistics because, yeah. you know, he can only throw a ball so well and have a receiver drop it. Uh, I, I saw plenty of those. I I would probably put my negative as the uh, the rest of the offense that refused to make plays. Yeah, um, but it's hard to single you know, out anybody on that. Um, it's hard. But Cam, I mean, he looked really good. Uh, he took what the defense gave him. He found open players. He found zones. He threw the ball well. There weren't very many quote unquote bad decisions or bad throws that he made. Yeah, I don't remember any throws that were like, "Ooh, that should have been intercepted." Yeah, and it's just the the people that he threw it to just let him down. Not great. And it wasn't How about just your... one guy. It was you know multiple. How about your boy, uh, Demir Bird, with his first catch of the season? Yeah, and Demir Bird should have had a touchdown. If it wasn't for Cam having somebody in his face right as he goes to throw the ball and had yeah, to throw it off his back foot, he barely yeah. underthrew him. I know. That, that throw, if it's the same throw I'm thinking about, it, he was getting pressured and had a guy in his face, so he just kind of like flipped it off his back foot, and I'm pretty flipped sure it, it flew 50 yards foot. in the air. 50-yard bomb in the air, and it was only about maybe – eight inches to a foot underthrown. Like it was just underthrown enough where the defensive back could get his finger up fingertips up on it. It's, Otherwise it's a, it was a touchdown. Cam can throw further off like his back foot falling backwards than like your average probably the average college quarterback can throw if they put all their might into it. Yeah, and I think that's why a lot of the scouts hate him so much. <laughs> uh it you know, it's the same reason that a lot of people hate LeBron. It's they're so good, like mm-hmm. athletically that they make it look like it's easy and everybody else has to work harder and they don't like that. Well, we've talked about, I've talked about it before with Cam where people talk about like, he's got poor mechanics. He's not good. And it's like, he has like mechanics and fundamentals are the ways to make, like make your talent to maximize your talent. Some people have mechanics or they're so talented that mechanics don't really matter. Cam's one of those people. Cam's just one of those people that says, I want the ball to go here and his body will put it right where he wants it to go. No matter what he does. Yeah, he can throw off of his back foot all day as long as he can throw those 50-yard bombs 
right over the top where all the receiver has to do is stick his hands out and catch it. Like I that mean, he throw had... he made to Greg Olson in the playoffs mm-hmm. against Seattle. Or it might it might have been the regular season. It was the regular game. season, the winner, game winner. The winner, but a back foot throw, perfect. Nobody else was catching that ball. He can do that. If he's gonna throw like that, I don't care what foot he throws <laughs> on I know. He well, like look at Aaron Rodgers. His mechanics wouldn't be considered ideal and he's like the most accurate quarterback out there. Cam's had many throws like Ted Ginn, where he's just like kind of he almost steps backwards and just fly his just hips fly open. And he just kind of flicks his wrist and throws a rainbow that hits Ted Ginn in perfect stride, like fifty five yards down the field. He does that multiple times. So mechanics yeah. overrated. They are. They're very much overrated. The the only quote unquote mechanics that I wish Cam would would be better at is I wish he could throw the screen pass better. Yeah, I don't know why he has so much trouble with that. I mean, he either can't he either floats it over the over Christian McCaffrey's head or he almost decapitates him with it. And, <laughs> you know, there's no he hasn't figured out that middle throw. And once he gets that, uh he's just about the perfect quarterback. Mm. He may never uh, figure it out because he's been in the league for seven years. Yeah, but, I, I think Cam is kind of who he is. Like, yeah, aside from incremental, you know, incremental improvements in like processing speed and stuff. But yeah, as a as a as a thrower, he's this is pretty much who he is, which is which is fine. He's very he's very good, very underrated. Um, yeah, I think the my the one I want to point out. I know he played well for the most part, but I just want to bring up again how great of a play it was by Matt Khalil to get called for a holding and a face mask and give up a quarterback hit all in the same play. Yeah. That's, as that you is, said, that's peak Matt Khalil. <laughs> that's peak Matt Khalil. I mean, that, um, I know he held up well. better than that. <laughs> I know he and the rest of the offensive line held up pretty well um, aside from that, but it was just, I don't know if I've ever heard of a play where the penalties were announced. Uh, there are two fouls on the play. We have holding number 75 offense. That penalty is declined. We have face mask number seventy five of the offense. The penalties accepted, and it's just like, yeah, the, the skill to get those two penalties that quickly, that close, and together. give up the pressure, like and still like and still let like Cam Jordan knock over hit Cam Newton. Yeah, phenomenal, it nuts. The it's, few few could do it better. I'd argue. I I would agree with that. I don't. I don't think any Panthers offensive lineman ever could be that good at being that bad for one play. Yeah. Um, the other one I wanted to point out that I want to, before we move on to the Vikings, um, on the pessimism side of things, this one's for you speci- uh, specifically, Brian, uh, Brent Burson and his field awareness. Because <laughs> when he, I know he got uh, held up, but when he caught that pass, I think he thought he was like, in the end zone because he just caught it and then like lunged backwards and fell over and landed on like the two yard line. Yeah. And that's, if that's like the second or third time this year too, that he's almost scored a touchdown. <laughs> I know, I, but he, he should have scored it too. Like he caught he it should have because he caught it and he fell like under his own volition. Like he wasn't like he got knocked down or was off balance when he caught it. It was like, he caught it and it was like dive into the end zone and then like landed and looked at where he was. And he's like, Oh, well, I'm close. Yeah. But he's that's, yeah, he, we got to get him a touchdown. But yeah, <laughs> I, not, I, not if you do that. And, wh- you know, while we're on that topic, we got to talk about Devin Funches, too. Mm-hmm. 
and I, I, I even tweeted this during the game. I will never understand this. And it's not just Funches who does this. It's everybody. Oh, the route. When yeah. it's fourth and six, why are you running? When it's fourth and seven, why are you running a six-yard route? That does not make any sense at all to me. I will never understand it. Unless it's fourth and, you know, or third and 19 and you run a screen, run past the sticks. You know, Cam can throw an eight-yard pass. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. He just he, – he lost where he was on the field. And he even said so after the game was over. He said he just – he misread where the sticks were. But – it's fourth and seven. The minimum that, that route that you should run is your eight yards slant or curl or whatever. Yeah, you know, don't run the six yard route. You will get pace. tackled. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was that was not great. Um, I at least liked that we went forward on fourth down. Yes, I did too. Even though it didn't good. work out, I did like the thought process. We said it before. I'd rather lose trying while trying to win than lose while trying not to lose it's just yeah. like you might as well like go out in a blaze of glory trying your best not just like well let's see what we can do to make this as close as possible yeah and i guess while we're saying that we can put our other negative which was probably the biggest negative of the whole game to me which was the coaching staff specifically mm-hmm. ron you have 40 seconds to go in the first half you get you get the ball to start the second half and you have two timeouts why are you not trying to score? Yeah, and I would have, we can we normally do like our little Schuler view. We can lump Ron in that with uh, right now. I was very irritated with that decision. Like that, yeah. those are decisions that losing teams make. That that is exactly right. Ron and Shula both they coached that drive not to lose, and they lost because of it. Now we may or may not have scored. You know, we may have, Cam may have thrown an interception. But I believe it was you that said the bomb numbers was, it was probably me. Yeah, there was a three percent chance of a Cam Newton interception. Mm-hmm. Why and there's a ninety-seven percent chance of a not Cam Newton interception. Yes. You know, I'm not a gambler. I'm not but I like those odds. I would take them too. I would take that chance. If if you run that drive a hundred times, it ends in an interception three times, and you're telling me you can't in the first half, and you're telling me you can't go for it in a division game with the team that is also eight and three and tied for the division lead with you, and you get the ball first to start the second half. The very absolute worst case scenario is a pick six. And you have to take that risk, even if all you get is a field goal out of it. That's three points, and it could have completely changed the game. I mean, we could have come out in the second half and scored a touchdown on our opening drive, and guess what? It's It would have been tied at that point, right? Uh, Weren't we down 10 at halftime? It was – no, we are down seven. We were down seven. Okay, was, so we would have taken the lead. Yeah, and, it, it. it's like – yeah, there's it's like the like I said, so he throws an interception on three percent of his passes. So I guess if you do like the actual probability, it'd probably be a little higher than three. But we were it was we had the ball in the twenty yard line, I think, like the nineteen. So we had to gain like forty or fifty yards to get into field reasonable field goal attempt range. If you think we're less likely to do that than to Cam Newton throw an interception, um, you either need to coach a different team or get a new quarterback. Exactly. One of the because, two. Yeah, because that's 
that's just such a scared approach. It's, we do that all the time. It it's scaredy cat I saw, football. I saw somebody say something about playing the averages or playing the numbers because of analytics or whatever. And football is the absolute worst sport when it comes to playing the numbers. It's all like instinct and gut feel and conventional wisdom and stuff. And I think it's pretty much coming out that all of those things are always wrong. Yeah. And we do all of those things. It's like you should go for two late in games if you're trailing. Nobody ever does that. No, they um, don't. You should they go only for go for two if they're chasing points. Yeah, like it was something like if you're down 14 and there's less than like eight minutes left in the game, you should always go for two on that first touchdown. Yeah, because because then you like, could score again and get the extra point and win the game. Yeah, and then you're more likely to convert that extra point or to like make that two point conversion and then go down and score another touchdown than you are to score another touchdown like kick the extra point, score another touchdown, and then go into overtime and win in overtime. Like you're more likely to just win by one than to make it to overtime and then win in overtime. Yeah, but we because, do stuff like yeah, that all the time. We like do, we, and I don't understand it because when you go for overtime, you're putting – it's not as much of a risk as it used to be, but it still is. You're putting winning and losing on the flip of a coin, yes. a literal 50-50 proposition. And – you can control that, like you just said. Go for two. Yep. You can gain two yards in the NFL. Well, the, unless you do what we do, which is unless you do fun. what we do and run Jonathan Stewart up the middle on first down. <laughs> Did you see my thing I said about the uh, about the success in running inside the one yard line compared to uh, throwing inside the one yard line? Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. <laughs> um, for those of you who haven't seen it, which I'm sure most of you have, if you listen to this, but uh. I think it's something like on the one yard line, um, teams score on forty nine percent of their run plays. That's a pretty bad success rate. If you yeah, think it's about less it. than half. I mean, less than half the time you hand the ball off on the one yard line, it's a touchdown, which is supposed to be the reliable way to gain a yard. Um, and then teams complete sixty nine percent of their uh, passes for touchdowns if they throw on the one yard line. That's a good number. And I know we talked about this last show because we people were criticizing the Jets for uh throwing it three straight times. And like, if you look at the numbers, that's the right call. It is. And it works most of the time. Yeah. Um, the most effective thing for us. And I think Panthers fans, you know, to be fair to them are kind of skewed on this. Cause we have Cam Newton and he's so good mm-hmm. on fourth and short. Yeah. We have that advantage. That most you know, first and with. goal from the one we have that advantage, but you know, we should be play actioning to Jonathan Stewart and then finding a wide open Greg Olson, kind of Ed Dixon, Chris Manhurts on a tight end, you know, little flare route in the back mm-hmm. of the end zone. It's there. All we have to do is do it. We've run so many handoffs to Jonathan Stewart inside the five over the last four or five years that we could just run play actions for the next three years and teams would still bite every time. Exactly. Like we've and, built up so much run first predictability there. Maybe that yeah. was the game. That's the long con it on it. But be. Uh, Mike Shula could be doing the long con, and it, it's like <laughs> that's why he's before, still around. Yeah, watch twenty nineteen. All of this is just set up for twenty nineteen. Exactly, the most efficient offense you've ever seen. Yeah, and you know, before Jonathan Stewart, it was Mike Tolbert. You know, we would hand it off to Mike Tolbert on the two yard line. <laughs> he's fat. He's good in short yardage, right? He's fat. No. He can get in there. No. <laughs> You know, he's also slow and dances around and has no uh, power when he runs. Yeah, but, you know, he's, exactly. he's heavy. Yeah, like that's for something. It it just doesn't make sense to me why teams continue to force feed the ball to the running back in such short 
yard. <laughs> there's no space. Like there's <laughs> the Falcons there's did it earlier. Guys standing there in that two yard space. Where is he going to go? Well, the Falcons did that. Uh, I guess last night when you're listening to this. Uh, the same thing. It's like, oh, and they're down at the one-yard line. Here come the big boys. They bring on an extra offensive tackle and two more tight ends. And they hand it off to Devontae Freeman. He runs straight into a wall of people. Yeah. Like, wow. Wow. One shotgun and throw a slant route. Yeah, and then they ran it again on second down, but they ran to the outside, which there's, believe it or not, there's actually space on the outside of the field. Yeah, and, uh, they imagine scored. that. That's one thing that the Panthers do that I do like. I like when they roll Cam Newton out in that bootleg and he just takes off. Yeah, we've actually been. We finally it only took us four years to put that in the. It playbook. only took them four years to figure it out, but um, I, I like that play, and I hope they do it more frequently. Mm-hmm. But you know, segueing back to the original complaint, I. Oh yeah, the, the I can't understand. Part. Yeah, I can't understand an offense that doesn't believe in itself enough to to score at least three points with forty seconds two timeouts and getting the ball to start the second half. I just, it doesn't make any sense to me because, well, it was only 40 seconds. That's an eternity when you have two timeouts. Mm -hmm. If you give Tom Brady the ball on the 19 yard line with 40 seconds, two timeouts, they're going to score a touchdown. Yeah, or at the very least, they're going to score a field goal. Or at the very least, they're going to kick a field goal because you've got the sidelines. You can stop the clock that way. You can throw across the middle. You can't, the defense cannot constrict you to one area you can do anything you want you know cam could have thrown a 20 yard pass to devin Funches over the middle called a timeout thrown a sideline route to i don't know brenton burson you know if he needed to call the other timeout or spike the ball or get out of bounds there's plenty of ways you can move you know downfield and it just it blows me away that we constantly it seems like every week Ron turtles up and just takes a knee. Yeah, and I I just I don't know. You feel like somebody somewhere would like get in his ear and be like, Hey Ron, so these things you do that you think are playing it safe, they're actually not smart. Oh, you'll be happy to I don't know if you're still watching the game, but New Orleans just ran a, a basically a pick play on the goal line and yeah, threw it and they um, it's it's on in the background. A little behind yeah. the scenes for you guys. We have TVs in our homes where we record this yes, show. We do. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's exactly what we're talking about. That that play is also like a staple of like every NFL offense that um is aware that they're allowed to throw that close to the end zone, and it, it seems to work. It does solid eighty percent of the time. Like if that pick play's not there, you still have like other. It's usually because they sold out to stop that guy, and there's somebody else open, or the quarterback the, just run it, or they, or they at the very run. least, you know, Breeze can just throw it in the stands, and you got another down. Yeah. Yeah, I don't get it. so. So while we're talking about the play calling stuff, we we would agree that uh weren't the biggest fans of the Mike Shula on Sunday. No, I was not. I agree. It I don't was... want to be that type of fan that is like purely results based. Like, oh, we won. He did good. Um, we didn't win. He did poorly. But I thought that we just. I said it during the game. Like, we're running the ball too much. We are. We always are. We're and you've said this before too. I feel like I'm just quoting you all day, but Oh yeah. well that's not a bad way to go. Yeah, it's not. But um we're playing like it's nineteen seventy eight and yes. you know, you run the ball, you know, give me eighteen inches in a cloud of dust, you know, run, <laughs> run, 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 run. Um and 
it doesn't really work anymore. Look at New Orleans, how efficient they are on offense. They carved us to shreds. Drew Brees, I don't think he threw the ball more than 15 yards all day. Yeah. And, you know, you can throw the ball and you can be successful. And even if we don't do that kind of offense, why did we wait so long to get Devin Funches involved in the game? Because I don't think yeah. he had his first catch until the third quarter. It was really late. I know he got targeted beforehand, and he missed a catch that he should have had. But He did have a drop in the first half. Yeah. Well, it was like watching – I don't know. It was just like watching two completely different sports. Like the Saints had the ball. There's a lot of misdirection. There's a lot of variety. There's lots of like outside, inside, quick passes to get people in space. Like It was just like a mix of everything. And then our offense comes on the field, and it's so clunky which makes no sense given our personnel. I know it's not the best personnel, but we have Cam Newton who makes up for a lot of weak personnel weaknesses. It's just so bad. It just it looks so unnatural. And the main thing, and I said this, uh, I think it was in the MMO comments, we like live to convert third downs. And that's I, like I agree. Entire- it's almost like, it's like Shula wants to prove to his dad that he can convert third and 12. And and so he always sets us up to be in that situation. Yeah, and CP criticizes it a lot too. It's like first down we get a minimal gain, second down we get another minimal gain. It's just like we're like, all right, let's just get to third and short, and we'll we'll carry on. And it's like that's such a delicate way to run an offense because all it takes is one slip up on third down and you stall out. And when you're running like trying to run 10, 12, 14 play drives every time, that's a lot of opportunities for an offensive lineman to get called for a holding for somebody to to, commit any sort of of penalty. And those pretty much kill drives. I think like 80% of the time there's a hold, a a drive ends up going, uh, happens to punt or kick a field goal. It happened to us on Sunday. Yeah, it's just like I get that you don't want to be like Chip Kelly, like fast as you can, fast as you can, keep your defense on the field for 75% of the game. But the goal of football shouldn't be to keep like keep away. It's like if you move the ball and you get first downs, your defense will get the rest. You don't have to make a point to run as many plays as possible. Yeah. Now, there's a, there's a delicate balance, and I think we even talked about this too. Um, you know, Chip Kelly's offense didn't work in the NFL because it was too quick. Uh, but I also think it's just a personnel thing. I think the offense – It could be that. Yeah, that could be I true too. The big issue with that is that if you go three and out when you run an offense like that is that your defense will get gassed. But if you pick up first downs, I think it won't be the wor- the end of the world. Yeah, and but it, it it's almost like Shula doesn't yeah. understand that you can get a first down on first down. Like, yeah, that's that's okay. Yeah, it's okay. If, you know, it's first and ten. It's okay to gain twelve yards. Like they won't take the ball away from you. You can, you can, you know, if you start on the twenty five, you can score in four plays. It's okay. Do you it's think Mike Shula gets like an anxiety attack when he sees like Christian McCaffrey break through the hole for a long run? Be like, oh no, 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 we're gonna score too quick. We're gonna score too quick. Get down, yeah, get down. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get to call my 38th play of this drive. What are you doing? Like, get tackled. What broke, are you doing? Uh, like, Cam Newton broke free in that run against the Dolphins. Mike Shula's like yelling in the headset, like, get down, stop, <laughs> don't score. You're going too fast. I just, I, I want to picture that. I want to assume that Mike Shula does that. He's already I, I probably upset. He He's already probably upset that he has to call like quarterback runs and stuff because that's not that's not Smash Mouth football. No, I guess it's unless you go like all the way to the forties. Yeah, God, 
I know. I'm he. What did you think of his play on Sunday? We need to get to the Vikings game at some point, by the way. Yeah, we probably do. Um, I'm I'm at the point where I'm I'm ready to see what Cameron Artis Payne can do. I would like that too. And I mean, oh. it's it's going to take Jonathan Stewart having a leg amputated to to get to that point. It it appears, but it's time. I want to see McCaffrey and Stewart get their carry volumes switched, at the very yes. least. Yeah, Stewart like, needs to be the third and one back. Stewart had 11, McCaffrey had six on Sunday. I would like to see McCaffrey get 11 and Stewart get six. Just, just give it a shot. See how it's going. Running game is not working anyway. Let's just see what happens. Maybe this Christian kid was worth the eighth pick overall. I mean, we uh, drafted him eighth overall to be a running back. Let him. I thought so. I thought so, too. I mean, you know, I... I'm almost at the point where I think they're going to convert him over to a wideout like they like Wes Welker type, mm-hmm. and you know I think that would be a mistake, but I think that's what they'll eventually do because I just don't think they'll ever get rid of Jonathan Stewart. <laughs> He's be like 39 years old, like has the ball in one hand and a and a cane in the other as he tries to hit the hole. Yeah, exactly. So the Vikings, how do you feel about the game? The Vikings game. Uh, I'm not very confident in our ability to win. You're not alone. Um, earlier before we started recording, I said I gave us like a worse than 50% chance of winning. Um, believe it or not, ESPN's always 100% accurate uh, matchup predictor gave the Panthers a 52.3% chance to win. Hmm. That's actually better than the Vikings' chances of winning. Um, so that's, I guess, somewhat relieving. The Vikings did struggle a little bit with Atlanta last week, which is, I guess, would give you, make you, make me cautious, ah, make me cautiously optimistic. Yeah, I think cautiously optimistic is a good word because I don't think that we'll get blown out. I don't think Minnesota is that much better than us. I mean, we, we hung with Philadelphia. We should have beaten Philadelphia. Yeah. Uh, and I think that they're similar. And I, I think the real problem we're going to have is being able to contain uh, both uh, Thielen and Diggs because I don't know what voodoo or magic or whatever they've got going on in Minnesota, but they've got Case Keenum looking like a real quarterback. Like it's it's at the point now where Teddy Bridgewater might not get his job back. And because of Case it, Keenum, of all people, because of Case Keenum, of all people, and the guy, the guy that lost his job to Jared Goff, who's like the lost. worst rookie quarterback of all time. Yeah, he lost his job to Jared Goff with Je- um, Jeff Fisher as his coach. Like mm-hmm. this wasn't the Sean McVay Jared Goff. It's actually a good quarterback. Yeah. So I, I don't know what to what to expect, what to believe, or what to think anymore, because there's no reason that Case Keenum should be that good in Minnesota. You know, they don't have Adrian Peterson. They don't have Dalvin Cook. Their running backs are Jared McKinnon and what's the other guy? Latavius Murray. Murray. And, you know, Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs aren't exactly Megatron and Julio Jones, but for somehow they make it work. They are very good, though. I don't know. They are good. They're ten they to two from. for a reason. Um, I will say, brace yourselves for the Adam Thielen feel good stories. 
Um, just like every time the Panthers play, uh, it's required mentioning that Thomas Davis has had three surgeries on the same ACL, on the same knee. Um, you were going to hear a lot about Adam Thiel and not getting invited to the combine, going to some school that nobody's ever heard of, and making the team as a walk-on, basically. So get prepared for that. It's going to happen. Just embrace it. Yep. Um, the thing that concerns me, obviously, aside from Thielen and Diggs, because I don't think we can cover them, because I don't think anybody can cover them consistently, is the fact that we've been giving up these chunk run plays where like we were mostly good against the run for like 90% of the game, but we just let we just lose contain or something for just one play and the opposing running back breaks free for like 70 yards. We saw it against yeah. Miami with Kenyon Drake. We saw it against New Orleans with uh, Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara had some big ones too. Um, Latavius Murray has broken off a 30 yard or longer run in three straight games. Yeah, and I think he can do it again. And I also think McKinnon is capable of doing it as well. McKinnon is certainly uh, capable of doing it as well. Uh, it's like um, Murray is is Mark Ingram and McKinnon is um, Alvin Kamara. And <laughs> they, I, they I are. Think it, they're not, there's not much difference. I think Kamara is better than McKinnon, but they're very similar in the way they play. Yeah. And I, I think we're going to give up at least a 30, 35 yard run to one of them, if not both of them, at least one time. Yeah. The Vikings, I don't have my, oh, I do have in front of me. I think they've, they've broken free for a 25 yard run or longer. Uh, eight times or eight different games. I don't know how many times total, but in eight of their twelve games or thir- yeah, eight of their twelve games, they've had a what you'd call like a chunk play on the ground. So, I f- that's probably the big thing that we have to worry about the off with their offense is the chunk plays, like the big plays to Thielen in the air, and the big runs from McKinnon and uh Murray. Interesting little stat for you: the Vikings have lost two games. They are the only two games that they're held under 300 yards of total offense. Oh, so if we can hold them to less than 300 yards, we've got a shot. Yes, it was. I was looking at it, and like their defense from wins and losses is pretty much the same in terms of their yardage allowed. The big difference is that, and when the when they win, their offense goes off for like 400 yards a game. When they lose, their offense is held to like 260. So I think it's just it's going to come down to limiting those big plays from the Vikings so offense. Yeah, they're a lot like we were in 2015. Yes. Okay. Who they're, they're very uh, Detroit and Pittsburgh. Okay. And that was home to Detroit that they lost. Yeah. So, I mean, they're well, very, very good. division games, anything can happen. Yeah. Yeah. Throw out the record books for that game. Um, That's the big. So, yeah, the, the defense, I think, is who's going to be is the unit that's going to decide the game. I don't think the offense is going to be able to do much on their own. It's the, the Vikings defense is very, very good, just like everybody expected. So if the defense doesn't come to play, we're going to lose as simple as that. I, I this offense so. is not going to score a bunch of points against the Vikings unless the defense is giving is forcing turnovers and putting them right up on the goal line every time. Because that yeah, Vikings and defense as is, we've seen all year, that's probably not going to happen. <laughs> unless oh. Unless it's just like we have like a blockage and then like the dam breaks and we get like six yeah. turnovers in a game. Yeah, it's something. Yeah, strange. it's probably not going to happen. Stranger True. things have happened, but um, it, it's it's yeah, I'm not going to count on it. So it's going to just basically be make the Vikings, you know, just keep limiting them to like four yard gains and 
get a couple incompletions or maybe maybe a sack. I don't know. And then yeah, I think this is going to be like last week's game with Minnesota and Atlanta. It's going to be fourteen uh, six or fourteen to nine or yeah. you know, whatever, something like that. It's not going to be a high scoring game. And one thing that concerns me um, is Charles Johnson is is suspended. That means Julius <laughs> Peppers has to start. And with Julius Peppers being thirty seven years old, it showed last week um, mm-hmm. that we needed somebody. And you know, Peppers having to play more isn't very good for the stretch run. I think, um, you know, Wes Horton is decent, but Wes Horton isn't going to be good enough. He's he's not exactly Charles Johnson against did the you ever run. Think, did you ever think you were going to say Wes Horton is decent? No, Those I never thought words. I would say that. Those are probably I words you never would say that. You'd utter before no, 2017. You know, he, he's been on the pra- on and off the practice squad for like five years, and I've never understood why. He's but now I kind of get defense. it. He's the Brenton Burson of the defense, but he is pretty decent. And mm-hmm. uh, the coaches love him. Um, he plays the run well, but, you know, that's about it. He's a, a negative on, on the pass rush. He can't get to the passer for anything. But uh, I'm, I am concerned that our defense isn't going to be able to hold up because oh. we're missing Charles Johnson. I never thought that Charles Johnson would be that important, you know, in 2017, but he kind of is. Here's another stat that might concern you a little bit. Um, the Vikings are the second best team in the NFL um, preventing sacks. Yeah. They've only given that up 14 sacks all me. season. Um, Keenum's me. only been sacked. And five of those are Bradford, who's played significantly less than Keenum. So Case Keenum's only been sacked nine times in 369 dropbacks. So uh, the defense, very strong chance that the defense won't be able to get any sacks which makes it all the more important that they, you know, like force incompletions and maybe force a turnover or two. And with how they've played the last couple of weeks, it's not the most likely thing in the world to happen. No, I'm not confident at all that we're, we're going to force turnovers. We might get one, but I don't think that turnovers is going to happen. I just, and to me, I think our turnover that we get will be some kind of, like Hail Mary interception or something <laughs> stupid like that. Like it's not even really going to be a turnover. Like it'll like just a, be like a, a big gain, like a fumble at the end of a big pass, catch and run or something. Yeah. Where it's like the offense gains 40 yards and then we recover the fumble. So it's basically a punt. Yeah, basically. Yeah. That's, I mean, I'm looking there. I think they're one of the best teams in the league in terms of turnover margin too. They um, have to the, be. They're all that, all that is to say. All that is to say, the Vikings are actually good. Um, the Panthers are also good, which I think people forget. Yeah, um, the Panthers are a good team. I'm I'm not even going to say they're not, but I don't think they're as good as the Vikings. I think the Vikings are legitimately one of the two or three best teams in the NFC this year. Um, yeah. You know, their record so, speaks for itself. I think they're right up there with Philadelphia as the cream of the crop, so to speak, this mm-hmm. year. So like they could if if it wasn't for the fact that it's Minnesota and they're cursed, I would call them a Super Bowl contender and possible Super Bowl champion, but we know that that's not going to happen cuz I hope they are though. It's like, crazy voodoo shit going on. If the Panthers can't win the Super Bowl, I would like to see the Vikings do it just because I would too. watching a Super Bowl with a home team, I think will be absolutely electric. I do too. I think that would be great. 
I know and it's the Vikings kind of halfway deserve it because they've yeah. they've endured some shit, man. You know, I know it's gonna suck for the Patriots, and I know it's just another in a long list of bad luck for them. But uh, when they make the Super Bowl and it's in Minnesota and they play Minnesota, that's just that's I will enjoy that so much watching a Super Bowl home game. Yeah, I actually I actually don't think the Patriots are gonna make it. I wouldn't be surprised if Pittsburgh knocked them off, but it just I seems think like the Pittsburgh's Patriots are gonna knock them away. off. Yeah, I, I I have I have confidence in Pittsburgh, but I I and I know this is terrible, and I don't mean it to be to sound terrible, but Ryan Shazier getting hurt, I think, is going to be what propels Pittsburgh. Oh yeah, little, they're they're going to play for him. Win one for the Gipper thing. Yeah, the win one for the Gipper thing. It's real, and I think that that's going to yeah. put him over over the top. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Um, on the Vikings turnover thing, their turnover margin is not great because, like us, they don't force that many, but they've only turned the ball over 10 times. Which okay, is, so they don't turn it over and we don't force turnovers. So. And, which is only this third. It's behind only Kansas City and New England. So they don't turn the ball over. They don't allow sacks. Um, and we don't force turnovers, and we're shaky at getting pressure on the quarterback at times. Um, which I was surprised. At. I thought we were good at it. Uh, uh, Canadian Panther was saying that um, we're outside the top ten in blitz or in pass rush productivity, which is not great considering we blitz more than most teams in the league. We should be near the top of that list. Um, yeah, that's the problem. We have to blitz to get pressure on the quarterback. Yeah. And that's so we're underachieving. Way. We're yeah, underachieving we're pass rush where that doesn't force turnovers, and we're playing a team that protects the quarterback as well as any in the league and doesn't turn the ball over. So the defense has to play pretty much – the Panthers as a whole will have to play pretty close to perfect to win. Yeah. And I know see, being fans, at home helps. You're listening to this tomorrow or today for you. Or yesterday. That's why yeah. we don't – or yesterday or whatever. <laughs> that's why we don't believe Carolina can beat Minnesota. Yeah, and I, well, I, was there, I don't think they can. I think they very much can. I think um, they can. I just don't think they will. Yeah, I, mean, I wouldn't. I'm going to go into this with the same mindset I had going into the Saints game, where it's like if we lose, oh well, we lost. It's a tough team. It's hard to win against tough teams. Um, and if we win, I'll be pleasantly. I won't say surprised. I won't want to say pleasantly surprised. I'll just it'll be. I'll be happy. I normally am after wins, yeah. but I'll be extra happy. Yeah, I think surprised is the is not the right word, but it's the only word I can come up with. Yeah. Like you know, it's it's not surprised as in shock. And unexpected. It's it's unexpected. Just, unexpected. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I fully believe Minnesota will most likely win the game. Uh, and it's not just me being a hater. I just – I don't – Yeah. I, I mean, we're coming off a demoralizing loss against New Orleans. Minnesota is a really good team this year. They match up with us well. The things they do well are counteractive to the things we don't do well. And, you know – like you just said, they don't turn it over. We don't force turnovers. Well, that means they have the advantage. The The only real advantage we have right now is we're the home team. Yeah. And that doesn't and mean Vikings, much. Vikings have also won eight in a row. So if, if momentum is yeah. real, they have it. Um, and we don't. But I still had to say, I think the Panthers can win. I'm not going to like say this is a doom and gloom type of thing. It's just be realistic in that it's not the end of the world it's not time to blow it up it's not the end of our playoff hopes if the panthers do fall to the vikings on sunday no it's not the end of the world and it's not the death knell to our playoffs but it takes a lot more for us to get in if if we lose because 
at that point, the best we can be is 11 and five. And then we have to start looking at help because mm-hmm. we would be 11 and five and we would be four and five in the NFC. And that means we would have to win out. We would have to finish um, seven and five in the NFC. And that's not going to win very many tiebreakers. And yeah, we need the, back the Falcons to, to lose. That, we need the Falcons to lose. And that comes goes back to that game against the Bears that we said, you know, two months ago that was going to cost us. And it possibly could keep us out of the playoffs if we lose to Minnesota and Atlanta doesn't lose out. Yeah, so it's it's it'll be good. So what's your uh what's your score prediction? Do you have one? Make one up right um, now. Yeah, I'm gonna say seventeen to nine Minnesota. I think we'll get one touchdown. Um, I picked the Panthers in our pick'em pool. Um, I I think I picked Minnesota in our pick'em pool. But just I, I, always, I need to catch up to Evan. But I always pick the Panthers because I just that's what I do. Um, I think it will be like like thirteen to ten. Vikings. Yeah, I, I, it's gonna be team. close. Yeah, I think it'll be like thirteen be to ten either way, but. If I had to put money on it, I would put it on the Vikings to win by that score. So, watch, do you have anything we else? say that it's going to be forty-one to thirty-eight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's going to be like a pick six to start the game, and then so like the other Vikings are going to be like playing catch up. Keenum's going to throw five interceptions, and yeah, and it'll be crazy. Gonna, yeah, we're going to get so- eight sacks, and Jonathan Stewart's I mean, I- going to rush for three hundred yards. I mean, I wouldn't be upset about it. I wouldn't be upset about it either. I would actually be happy. Yeah, I would too. Other than, other than, I'll probably get like four people telling me, "Like, see, you were wrong about Jonathan Stewart," <laughs> and I'll be like, "That's okay." Yeah, it's okay to be wrong sometimes. But do you have anything else to add before we uh, take it out? I think we pretty much covered everything. I All hope right. that I'm wrong about the game. I hope Carolina. Oh, yeah, wins. yeah, me too. I just, well, I, I would rather no. I would rather be right than have the Panthers do well. Yeah. So, yeah. No, yeah. The Panthers. I want them to do well. I hope they'll do well. I think they'll make a good showing out of it. I just don't know. Yeah, I, I don't think we're going to get blown out. I just there's some bad juju from the last couple of times we've played Minnesota. It seems like every time yeah, we played them recently, true. it's our bad game and. I, I don't want to see that this this week. I want to see a good game. I don't, you know, I want us to win, but if we lose, like we said, 17-9 or 13-10 or, you know, 14-7 or something like that, I'll be okay. I just don't want to get blown out, and I don't want to get embarrassed, and I don't want us to look stupid, and I don't want next week when we record to be complaining about the same things that we complained about tonight and last week and the week before. Oh, we'll definitely be complaining about the same problems. It just hopefully that they'll be. Hopefully, uh, we'll be able to overcome them and just they'll win. Be, they'll be with it. some some good some good scent from the wind, but it's hopefully. So we had so it was what two times the the time before last against the Vikings. We it was the game we got both we had two punts blocked, right? Yes. And then last time was uh with the extracurricular stuff going on in the city. And we came out yeah. and decided to just play one quarter of football and called day. And yep. got beat pretty thoroughly. And Cam got hurt a little bit and got sacked eight yeah. times. Nothing's <laughs> happened this week in Charlotte, so hopefully that stays. Yeah. We don't have that. 
But yeah, it's, it hasn't been a great track record against the Vikings in recent years. But maybe that just means we're due for a win. Maybe. Uh, so with that, I'll let you guys go. Hope you enjoyed the show without Brian, and I hope I didn't do a terrible job filling in for us host. Um, we'll see you guys next week. Later. So tired of being tired and drunk and lonely. And I hate myself in the morning. Yes, so much more in the morning. There's no better place to watch football with friends than Buffalo Wild Wings. They've got all the games on wall-to-wall TVs and a new $5 game day menu with 38-ounce pitchers of Bud Light, Coors Light, and Miller Light, cheeseburgers and brats, and select cocktails. And every Sunday, you can play an exclusive fantasy football game with DraftKings with prizes like free wings for a year. Get to Buffalo Wild Wings for our $5 game day deals. When football is on, you have to be here. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings. Beer. Sports. Price and participation vary. Subject to restrictions. Limited time only. Hey, I'm Anil Dash, and I'm the host of a new show called Function from the Vox Media Podcast Network and Glitch. This season, we're talking with experts about why our voting machines are so bad and how that might hurt our elections. We'll also talk with an animator to find out how popular dances from the real world end up in video games. And we're going to tackle the biggest question in tech. 
why do so many celebrities use screenshots from that Apple Notes app to make their public apologies when they screw up? You can find new episodes of Function every Monday on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And thanks to Microsoft Azure for sponsoring Function.